In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, in today's passages, theme of of God at work, specifically God, um, one God the Father making making a covenant with Abraham, and this passage from the Gospel where Jesus is emphasizing his own covenant, his own work that he is going to do in Jerusalem for us as well. As we come to to this this season of Lent, there's often this emphasis, as we talked maybe last Sunday, certainly this past Wednesday, of how um, so much of Lent is, is what can we do for Lent? What should we give up? What should we take on? What Lenten discipline should we, should we follow? How do we overcome the temptations of this world? We, we sort of put ourselves into, into the role of Jesus instead of really perhaps following Jesus on his Lenten journey, um, following Jesus to the cross, this Lent joining Jesus, because as these passages make clear, oftentimes God is at work for us. Maybe all the time God is at work for us, but we like to, we like to insert ourselves into the story, oftentimes as the hero. But these passages make us make it very clear that God is the hero, that Jesus is the one to come to be the deliverer, the savior of the world. We are just the chicks that he wishes to gather up under him at times, which doesn't make us insignificant. It makes us incredibly worthwhile, valuable. It says how great a God we have, that God in in. In his, in his majesty, in his wonder, in his, in his glory, continues to want to reach out, to bless, to draw us like a mother hen gathers a brood of chicks when danger is about protection, blessing, comfort. So begin with, with a passage from Genesis, which is one of the one of the uh, at least as, as you go far farther, you know, stranger sort of passages of of the pot blazing and passing through the, the animals and sacrifices, but it really begins with with um, the covenant that God makes with Abram to begin with. Abram's still Abram, not Abraham yet. It'll be Abraham a couple more chapters. But remember that, that God calls Abram to get up, to go to a place that I'm going to show you. Take everything you have and, and go. And I will make you a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And I'll make you and your, your offspring and your family a blessing. 
And so Abram does. He gets up and he goes. He takes everything he has and he's, and he's off. And uh, lots of things happen between that time and this time. Lot separates. Abram rescues Lot. They go to Egypt. They're back from Egypt. And so now some, some years have passed and, and Abram was already, he was already you know, 75 at that point. Now is, is older than, than that at this point. And he says, um, the word of the Lord comes to Abram. Don't be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. And Abram says, yeah, you are. But, you know, I'm not worried about your, your reward. I'm not really worried about money. I'm already rich. What I'm worried about is I still remain childless. And my, my slave servant, Eleazar, is going to be the one to get everything. Right? He's the one who's going to get it all. So it'd be nice if that wasn't the case, right? I mean, it'd be nice to pass this on to, to my own son. And, and God says... This man will not be your heir. Hopefully Eliezer wasn't standing right there. He'd be very disappointed because he thought he was coming into it. How much longer do you got to wait for this old guy to kick, right? It's like, it'll be mine. This man will not be your heir. Son is coming. Look at the stars. Look at the heaven and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, so shall your offspring be. And then God has Abraham sacrifice animals. And, and, and in a vision of, of sort of the censer, a blazing pot, God passes through this, which is this sort of interesting, interesting vision of which whole entire books are written about the, the complete meaning of everything. But ultimately it comes down to God is making this covenant with, with himself, right? God is making this covenant. In the same way that, that when the rainbow appears in the sky after the flood, God says, I put my bow in the sky that never again will I flood the earth. Right? This is God making a covenant to himself. This is God making a covenant, but basically the person that, that is in charge of the covenant is God. There's covenants that God makes throughout the, the Bible, like the Ten Commandments, where God makes with Israel that are sort of, I make this covenant with you that you will be my people so long as you keep this covenant um, of law. But then there's these other covenants that God just makes. They're unconditional covenants. Regardless at this point of what happens, God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you like I promised. It's still going to be several years. There's still going to be ups and downs in Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarai's life. But eventually, that promise will come. That blessing will come. And so we have a Jesus. Jesus is the covenant promise that God has made to us. I'll send one who will redeem. 
I'll send one who will take away the sin of the world. I'll send one who will take away and undo the sin of Adam. And Jesus, as the Pharisees warned him, you better, you better get out of here. Because Herod's looking to kill you. Whether this is a real encouragement or rather just like an excuse to sort of get rid of him. Like, you know, how, how the Pharisees and Jesus are actually pretty tight. Either way, Jesus just says, go tell that fox, I got work to do. I'm, I'm busy. Besides, who ever heard of a prophet being killed outside of Jerusalem? Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And in Luke's gospel, Jerusalem's an interesting place because it's not just a place. Jerusalem's a character. Because we think about Jerusalem as that place of where, where God's presence is. This is the place of the temple. This is the place where David brought the Ark of the Covenant. This is the place where the Lord resides. If you want to go see God, you go to Jerusalem. The presence of God and the Holy of Holies is in Jerusalem. The climactic action, of, ultimately, of the defeat of sin and death, that, that temptation that we talked about last week where, where the, the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem to say, throw yourself off the temple, sort of foreshadowed the fact that that indeed, the Jerusalem was going to be the, the place where the showdown between good and evil took place anyway. Jesus says, Jerusalem's where I have to go. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I wish that you'd pay attention. Pretty much. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you're always killing the prophets. You're turning back on the things that are really the presence and work of God and, and getting distracted and get detracted from all of these other things. But I'm coming. Coming to do the work that I've been given to do. I'll do it today, tomorrow, the next day will be fulfilled. We have these three days throughout Luke's gospel that are, again, they're not put in there on accident, right? They're, they're foreshadowing of the work. And on the third day, you'll raise again. There's, there's, in all of these things, this is, there's not many, there's not many, um, you, you know, there, there's good figurative language. This isn't a spoiler alert when you have to get to the end of the gospel to know what happens. You know what happens probably before you picked up the book. Jesus rises on the third day. We, you know, we know this. He dies on the cross and he's buried and he rises on the third day. We know this. Even as we walk through this passage of Lent, we know what's coming. We know the victory is won. We know how the story unfolds. 
doesn't make the journey any less climactic, and this is where we are in Luke's gospel today. You won't see me again until in Jerusalem until the people cry out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which happens on Palm Sunday. On that day when indeed the coronation of Jesus, as he rides in, people lay branches of palm and shout, Hosanna, save us. So for now, there's work to do, Jesus says. I've got healings. I've got demons to cast out. Before I keep that covenant promise that God has made, there's more to be done. Let's go tell that fox he needs to wait to see me die. Because it's happening, but not quite yet. For us, with God, looking at these passages that His covenant is real and true. He's made a covenant with us through Jesus for redemption, for blessing. He's given the promise of His Holy Spirit to be upon us. His promise to be with us always to the end of the age. And promised a great many other things. But even in God Living into that covenant, we learn to be patient. We learn to be obedient. We learn to listen, to hear, to walk in those ways. We can be assured. We can be trusting. We can move without fear, knowing indeed that God will keep his covenant with us. But that doesn't always mean it's instantaneous or without trials or tribulation. We just know that the end is good. Because with God, the end is good. Death is defeated. Sin is vanquished. Life reigns on. Let's live into the covenant promises that God has made with us and with all who have come before us and all who will come after us, that in Christ we have life. Amen. Amen. Amen.